0: This podcast is sponsored by OMI, the company that makes CRM work. In this episode, we're speaking with Pradeep Sangha, author of a forthcoming book, The Complete Man.
1: My name is Pradeep Sangha. I am a father of two young kids. I'm also a husband of a beautiful wife named Ruby. I'm also an entrepreneur myself, and uh, I have a number of different businesses. They range from agriculture to coaching, consulting to real estate. And my passion, if I was to sum it up, is really to help men live successful and happier lives. That's the work that I do mainly is in the consulting and the coaching side day to day, where I work with male executives, male entrepreneurs to help them live a more balanced life, perform better, and just be happier overall. So a lot of the
0: people I speak with, when they find their passion in life, it's because they they had to find it themselves. They, they, it, was something, it was an insight or a need they had that led them to it. And so I wonder if you have a story like that. Do you have something where you were feeling in some way unfulfilled, found a way to fulfill yourself, and now this is how you are helping other people?
1: Yeah, Actually, there were two major events in my life that have led me to doing what I'm doing full force, you can say is uh, first is watching my dad. So my dad immigrated over from India with $11 in his pocket and created a successful life for himself and for our family. But he went through a lot of struggles. He didn't know English, he didn't have formal education. So he had to start off with manual labor, but eventually he saved enough money to, him and my mom, uh, they both worked hard actually, and, and they saved enough money to buy an orchard and get into the agriculture business. And my dad, towards the end of his life, you can say, had a lot of stuff on paper that most guys want. He never struggled with money. He traveled when he wanted to. But throughout his life, he was never really fulfilled. And I can sense that. I could sense that in him. And his milestone, the point where he was going to actually pat himself on the back and say he did it was going to be at the age of 65, so the formal pension year where he was just going to take his foot off the gas, and and he was going to continue to work, but we were going to do a lot more things as family, my family, and my brother's family, and my parents. We were all going to go traveling every year and do these fun things since my parents were going to be officially retired, but my dad passed away suddenly at 64 and a half from a heart attack, and he also struggled with alcoholism ever since he was 15, I believe, And I saw the challenges he faced because he was an awesome dad when he was sober. But when he drank too much, he was just a completely different man. And I saw the struggles in him. And I really, at a young age, took on to, okay, how do I calm my dad down? How do I make my dad feel better? How do I, and a lot of times, you know, put my dad to sleep so he doesn't, you know, freak out in in a drunk rage, for example. And I learned the psychology of how men behave, and I started to study that, and Lo and behold, I didn't realize that I was kind of living a similar lifestyle. I was, I was living a very successful lifestyle as an executive. I was not never an alcoholic, but I drank on weekends and sometimes probably more than I wanted to. And my marriage was struggling with my wife. We were having challenges to the point where we were even on the verge of divorce. And I, I basically said I was tired of this life. I had the money. I was doing all the things like traveling, had the status, but I just was not happy with myself. And that's when I literally just, it was like a moment of clarity where I was, it was a Sunday and I was reading a a number of books and it just kind of hit me. And I said, I got to change my life. And I literally just walked into work that next week and and quit and kind of went into doing what I'm doing full time now.
0: And talk to me about that. Like how how, how do you describe that? And was there a transition period or did you just start, like, how did you get started? Like I, I imagine there was a Monday morning and you had to decide what to do. And what was that?
1: Yeah, it's, it was very interesting. Now that I look back, I was helping people on the side. Anyways, when I was an executive, I was helping friends and friends of friends and just people that I got to know, because that's just my passion. I was a personal trainer at 17. I managed employees at 16. So helping people was always a passion of mine. And when I made that decision to leave, I said, okay, what do I want to do? What am I good at? And where can I have the biggest impact?" and it was helping entrepreneurs at that time i hadn't really nailed it down to men specifically but it was a big change for me i can tell you that when i when i first started out it was tough because my identity as a as a man was really revolved around my position in the corporate world as an executive i was known as the go getter the youngest executive in the industry really the the that had the size of the portfolio that i did and i was known as a go getter and then when i started off brand new, you could say in the consulting side, I had to reinvent myself. I had to recreate myself. In a lot of ways, I had forgotten who I was because I was groomed to think, to act, to behave, and even type words as an executive. So I had to be very formal in in a lot of ways. So it was a lot of evolution. It was a lot of reinventing myself. And it it also came with a lot of struggles.
0: So so talking about that, 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 you know, building, building, I guess, your own practice of, of helping other people, coaching, you know, what goes into that? What, what kind of relationships do you build with the people you help? You know, and, and I guess, can you talk about the, the difference between a, a personal coach and maybe a, someone who wants, wants
1: coaching professionally and where those lines maybe blur? Sure, yeah, yeah. Business. So there's business coaching and there's personal coaching. There's actually a ton of different types of coaching you can get. You can get health coaching, uh, specifically for diet or whatever that looks like. But I work specifically on the business side as well as a personal performance side. So on the business side, we have a team that can help in a number of different areas from a consulting perspective. Like if someone wants to create a new marketing strategy or enhance their marketing strategy, we can do that. If they want to build a high performance team, we can help with that. With the work that I do, I, I, I do all of that, plus I help with the person's individual performance. For example, the typical word is mindset, their emotional mastery, how to maximize their energy, how to increase their productivity, how to be a better leader, how to influence more, how to have better communication. In the world of coaching, typically what you have is you have a business coach that can help you with business strategies and tactics. And then you if you want a personal coach, they're separate. And I, I found that niche because I have both expertise and I found the niche to say, OK, when you, I'm working with men, they need both. Because if someone's making a business decision or not making an effective business decision, me as a coach, if I was just a typical business coach and I'm not knocking typical business coaches, I would have difficulty understanding the psychology of why they're executing a certain way or why they're not executing a certain way. Now that I have that I have this other expertise you can say in terms of how people make decisions, why they make decisions, how the brain works, I can help a man understand why he's lacking a certain area or why he's performing in a certain area area. So in effect, it's teaching a man to fish rather than giving him a fish. And I believe that's the way to go because when an entrepreneur understands how he operates internally, whether it's his mind, his motions, or how he operates in a relationship with his wife, or as a father, he can actually adapt himself better and, and evolve on his own.
0: So, so I guess I, I want to talk about sort of what you see at the uh, the root of some of this unhappiness that you've diagnosed. I mean, there was your father. There, you, we talked about your father and yourself, really specifically. Um, but I, I think I get the sense that you you find these these symptoms in in a lot of other men as well. And I kind of <laughs> want to get a sense of yeah, where, where do you diagnose that? Like, what, what is at the root of this? Why, you know, is it a generational thing? Is it a, is it a cultural thing? Help me, help me understand where you see the problems and like where you go to, to really start addressing them.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest, if I was to kind of interpret what you're asking is, where do uh, men kind of fall short or where are the biggest pitfalls? And I would say from my personal experience, here's, here's what it is, is we as men are taught to do it alone we are taught to be strong, have our pride, have our ego and really achieve success on our own because when you do it on your own you feel a lot better about yourself. But it's not that you don't have to do it on your you don't have to do it on your own. You can get help actually very smart people, smart men know how to build a team around them. So I think for men to openly say, "Hey, look, I'm challenged or I'm struggling or I'm stuck or I'm suffering or I'm doing great but I want to do better." And I need to openly ask for assistance. That's not a weakness. That's actually a strength when you can actually do that. So society, as society, we've trained men to be a certain way. And that's not to say that men should be more vulnerable, but men should just understand that there's a better way. We've, this whole thing of working you know, 70, 80 hour weeks, for example, in today's society, a lot of guys brag about that. Hey man, you know what, I, I worked my butt off this week. It's almost a, a symbol of status where in actuality, if, if you take a look at the most successful men, the men that I work with or the men that I know, they have a choice of whether they wanna work 70, 80 hours a week. And if they had to be forced to, they only have to work 20 hours a week. So everything else is based on their leisure. They want to do the things that they want to do. So a lot of this comes from society and and the other piece is not knowing how to do things. So a lot of guys, especially if I talk about the entrepreneurial world, get into business because they have a certain skill or they have a great idea, but they don't necessarily understand the concepts of business. They don't understand how to make a business more effective or more efficient or how to grow in a smarter fashion. And they, they just do it out of brute force and sheer will and sheer work ethic. But when you do it a smarter way, you actually realize that you don't have to spend your evenings and weekends and sacrificing time with your family to actually get ahead. So I think there's a lot of misinformation out there in social media as well. We have a lot of influencers out there talking about you got to hustle, you got to grind, you got to work 365, you know, you'll rest when you're dead. All that stuff is is what I say situational, because yes, there's times where you have to hustle and grind, but that doesn't mean you should be doing it for the rest of your life, um, seven days a week. So I think there's, if I was to sum it up, George, there's just a better way of living life and growing your business and having relationships than what a lot of men are doing right now.
0: What is it about the gender? The, the The gender thing like wh- why men here what what is what are some of the differences that you see you know where where what you're doing can help men specifically or, or maybe to put it another way what are some of the societal aspects that that place specific pressures on men and and what are some of the what are some of the i guess maybe this isn't your area of study, but what are some of the um the parallel aspects of of being a woman that are difficult right now
1: yeah wow i I actually started to take a look at the gender trends back in two thousand and four. And taking and studying that very deeply in terms of the differences between men and women. And I did that because I came out of a long term relationship with uh, someone that I was with in high school and our relationship fell apart and I was heartbroken. And I said, OK, what makes a relationship between a man and a woman work? How does someone have a happy relationship and someone have a crappy relationship? So I really dove into that. And at that time, um, there was a major shift that was happening in both men, the role of men and the role of women. So right now, what I honestly believe is that we are in a dire state as men because we have this older generation of traditional men that are passing away. And now we have social pressures on men that are telling men, hey, look, it's not okay to be masculine. It's actually toxic to be masculine you should be very emotional as a man. All of these things that people who don't understand how men operate are saying. So when you understand how the male brain works, for example, the average male, especially when you're younger, can have up to 100 times more testosterone than a female. And testosterone has been very closely linked to aggression. So the fact that men have more aggression isn't necessarily a bad thing, it's a natural thing, but we have to understand how to control it. We have to understand how to use it to our advantage rather than acting out on it. And you can say in a lot of ways, misbehaving or even committing crimes. So there's a lot of pressure from women and even men to tell men to not be men anymore. And, I, and let me use myself as an example. I um, When I first started the podcast, The Male Entrepreneur, I got a lot of backlash actually from a lot of people. And I had shirts made and And even some of my friends, for example, didn't say anything badly about it, but they said, isn't that kind of sexist? And I said, well, what's wrong with being a male entrepreneur? There's a lot of female groups out there. There's a huge number, a massive number of female entrepreneurial groups, um, empowerment groups, whatever that looks like. But if a man says something about being a man, it's frowned upon these days. Um, It's looked at as being sexist or, you know, you're you're siding to one side of the gender and my some of my friends said, hey, look, those are awesome shirts, but I don't know if I can wear them because I don't know if my female clients will look at me in a bad light. So that just told me right there that I'm onto something because even guys are afraid to talk about what it means to be a guy. If you ask a guy today what it means to be masculine, you'll have two, two sides or actually three. You'll have guys that We'll talk about being masculine because they're comfortable in their masculinity. And so they'll they'll openly talk about it. There'll be guys that don't know what it means to be masculine. And they'll kind of, they won't be able to tell you anything. And then on the other side, there'll be guys that have a feeling of what it means to be masculine. And they want to say something, but they're too afraid to say it because they don't want to be cast eyes, basically. So there's this whole thing about what it means to be a man or what it doesn't mean to be a man. And there's just a lot of misinformation. So that's why I truly believe that when we talk about masculinity, we have to do it in a very mindful way because here's what's, what's happening now, George, is that I know, because I I work with men every single day, is that about 50% of the work that we get, the referrals that we get are from women saying, please help my man because my man is not stepping up enough. Hmm. Or my business partner is not stepping up enough. I want him to be more manly. I want him to be more masculine. I want him to take a greater lead, whether it's in the business or our relationship. So now we have women saying, we have a whole generation of men that are not manly enough. And one of my colleagues who's into the relationship space of helping men and women is working very deeply with women in their 30s who are saying now that they can't find men because they're just not masculine enough. They don't. They're not taking the lead. So I think where the pendulum is shifting back now, where even women are getting tired of men not being man enough.
0: It's it's funny to hear you say that. I mean, I I wonder what you think of. Well, I, I guess I wonder if you think that masculinity is some fixed some fixed quality to hear you talk about it. It's like we, we, the men are sort of having that, they're being told that um, they shouldn't express it quite as much or they should try to suppress it. But I, I know that we know through history that, that notions of masculinity change, right? It's a, it's a fluid mm-hmm. thing. You know, something that people in the 16th century did, might, we might look on today and be like, wow, I can't <laughs> believe they wore those wigs. That's, so, <laughs> that's not very masculine. Um, you know, or those pants are, aren't, you know, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing those pants these days. So to what extent should men sort of accommodate themselves to a changing world where you know, there, 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 are some, there are some good ways that, that people think of gender role, roles as, as being a little more fluid and, and sort of there are things that we can learn and sort of take from each other. I, I, I guess I'm curious to hear what you think about this idea of fixed masculinity versus, you know, a changing world where men can can adapt.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I truly believe that masculinity does evolve over time. Um, if, yeah, if you take a look at how men have treated women centuries ago, it was absolutely absurd. Um, they were oppressed. And so, you know, women and men are equal in the state that we should be treating each other fairly. Masculinity does change. And if we take a look at gender roles, for example, in my household, I'll wash dishes, I'll cook, I'll clean. Um, There's no challenge in that. But we also have an understanding, my wife and I, that, hey, look, you know what? When both of us are kind of tied up, she takes care of the inside of the house, which is the cooking, cleaning, and stuff, and I'll take care of the outside of the house. Those are our main roles. So in society George we need to have roles in relationships and society for society to work effectively. And when we say things are neutral that's the biggest challenge because now men don't know what it means to be men. Like what is my role as a man or as a man? And even women now are confused because women are now being told that they have to have Careers, they have to be mothers at the same time. And I'll share a personal example with you: is my wife is a very educated woman. She has three masters, I believe, and she's in the medical field. And, and she has openly talked to me and she said, You know what? Even if I w- if she wanted to quit, she said she feels the pressure from other professional women that they would say, Hey, look, you're just what becoming a housewife now? What are you gonna do with your life? You're just gonna be a mom? So, we have all of these different pressures that are happening. I think ultimately, when it comes to roles, as whether they're gender roles or household roles as a man, as a wife, as a husband, or anything in society, it really comes down to what works for your relationship. So, things do change. But there's one important aspect here, George, that biologically, for example, we are uh, men are different than women. We are built differently. Women are built differently. For example, I talked about the testosterone. Our brains actually function slightly differently as well. For example, there's an area of our brain called the TPJ, which is for problem solving. And it's been shown now that men are able to switch into problem solving a lot faster than women are. And that's why there's this misconception that men aren't as emotional. Men are emotional, but we just switch into problem solving a lot faster than women do. So all of these misconceptions are impacting gender roles. And now I'm going to speak about it from more of a more of a spiritual teaching perspective which science is kind of catching up to, but also ancient teachings where we go where we talk about, you know, the yin and the yang for example. In the Indian culture it's called the yoni and linga and in, in western we talk about masculine and feminine energy. And they're two polar opposite energies. And in men, we have both. We have both masculine energy and feminine energy. And in women, there's feminine energy and masculine energy. But typically, in a heterosexual man, there's more masculine energy and less feminine energy. In a heterosexual woman, there's more feminine and less masculine. And so the reason why men and women are attracted to each other is because of that polarity in energy. A a feminine woman is attracted to a masculine man. And that masculine energy is more what I'm talking about. And so I can give you some characteristics of that masculine energy. Masculine energy is very driven. It's very task-focused. It's very goal-oriented. It's, it's You could say it's very focused on one particular target. It's very still. It's very solid. And it's very peaceful. And it's all about stability and security. Whereas the feminine energy is more about variation, it's more about variety, it's more free-flowing, it's about creativity. And if you take a look at a feminine woman and a masculine man, you will see the differences in energy with in between them. And that's why they tr- are attracted to each other. So it's less about the gender roles, but more about the energy Because when you have a man that has dropped his masculine energy, which happens a lot in relationships, if the woman is more, I'll give you an example, is I work with men who are married to uh, powerful women, for example. And in the workplace, the woman needs to have more masculine energy. But when she brings that home into the relationship, it changes that dynamic in the relationship between the man and the woman. And if the mask, if the man is competing for masculine energy in a relationship, there won't be that attraction anymore. And so we see this dynamic happening a lot, where men are dropping their masculine energy, not necessarily gender roles, but their energy, and women are upping their masculine energy and dropping their feminine energy, which is impacting relationships.
0: Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Uh, so, so talk to me about. Uh, I wonder if you could just give me a few more concrete examples from your, your own practice, you know, maybe a couple of anecdotes that illustrate sort of the things you're talking about and, and what you're seeing and, and the way you've sort of, you know, nested those into your own hypotheses and, and thesis for what's ailing men, I guess.
1: Yeah, I'll just, I can talk about a number of examples, but I'll give, I'll give you a couple because I, I know that if from my personal experience in working with men, one of the biggest challenges that men have outside of business is their relationship, is their marriage. And I'll give you a practical example of this one very successful person. He was in the medical field. He's making a significant amount of revenue in the seven figures. And he had a huge opportunity to grow his market and actually expand his business by at least double within about 18 months. So we had we had put together a strategy, a very aggressive strategy for him to execute. But when the time came down to it, it he wasn't executing effectively. We we had everything down planned. We had the marketing, the sales approach. We were rebuilding his team. But he was kind of, he was falling short. He wasn't being accountable for a lot of things. He wasn't stepping up as a leader. And when we dug deep into it, one of the challenges he was having was in his relationship. And so when we really identified the root cause, here's what it came down to. He unconsciously was not growing his business because he was like, what's the point of growing my business and making more money if I'm going to go home to a miserable relationship anyways? A relationship that doesn't have the passion that I'm looking for or where I don't feel respected by my spouse. And, you know, we think that business and personal life is separate, but it's not. So his, his personal life unconsciously was impacting his business performance. So we had to, I had to really work with him to shift his leadership style in his relationship to really step up because this is one of the examples where his wife wanted him to step up more and be more masculine and, and take charge more. When his relationship was able to shift from that perspective, he performed a lot better in his business. And so now he was stepping up as a stronger leader in his business and his business was starting to grow as a result of that. And
0: so the issue, the issue for him at home, just to be really concrete, was, was what exactly?
1: Well, the issue at home was, <laughs> if, I, if I dug uh, deeper into it, is, is they had a child and you know, one, of the, one of the challenges was she was trying to control him in a lot of ways and he was allowing her to. And I'll give you an example. She, he was, tr- he was trying to get his child more involved in his family, so with his parents and his siblings, and she just wouldn't allow it. And he was, he, he was letting her do that. And I said that when you allow someone to do that, whether it's in a relationship, whatever that looks like, when you know that's the right thing to do, it's actually healthy for the child. Then you're actually demeaning your your self integrity and your your confidence, which was happening. So. When I when he stepped up and he actually started to take charge and he started to say, no, that's not acceptable, he actually felt stronger about himself and she actually had more respect for him. And that actually shifted the d- dynamics of the energy in the relationship, where she dropped more to her more feminine energy and he had more masculine energy, which then allowed him to perform better and, and be a better leader overall.
0: Pretty. How, how have um, socioeconomic shifts over the last few decades impacted your view of you know traditional masculinity? I mean, I'm looking at you know the decline of organized religion here in the West. Um, yeah. Looking at the decline of union union membership and organized labor. Looking at the fact that ra- wages haven't really risen for several decades. Like, to what extent you know, and and men being the traditional traditional breadwinners, that's obviously changing. But um, you know, the, these are all pressures that, that they're maybe facing, and you know, the traditional sort of um, Support structures are are they're, they're having to find replacements for those in some in some ways. Um, how is that impacting what you're seeing, or or do you see it more as um, personal crises or some something else that I'm not that I'm not raising?
1: Yeah, I think that's a big question there. If you take a look at what's happening overall in the world, I think we're moving towards a more positive trend in a lot of ways because there's more educated women now, and when women are more educated, that actually the population actually stabilizes and so we over the last 200 years if you take a look at the population of the earth for example has skyrocketed to you know seven and and somewhat billion people which the earth can't sustain if we were to continue to grow at that pace but now it's actually stabilizing because women are more educated and they're actually saying hey look you know we don't want to have 10 kids anymore two is enough (laughs) And so that is definitely impacting society in a positive way. Um, It's impacting the earth in a positive way because we're not overpopulating the earth as much as as we were in the past. And it's also impacting, for example, how the the buying power in a family. When a woman works, for example, and she's got her own income— There's a a different shift in the buying power there. Actually, the family actually tends to save more, but also spend more on the health of the children. So you actually raise healthier children, which is really interesting when you take a look at it. So there's a lot of societal changes that are happening, but I do know one thing, and, and this is something that's a little bit more alarming, is that you're actually seeing the rate of depression in men increase and the rate of depression in women. Women are more prone to depression anyways, Um, just because of the way the brain is structured, but it's actually increasing. There's a lot more pressure on men now to perform and not only to be breadwinners, but to be fathers, husbands, and and the changes in dynamics now. And women, for example, all these pressures that are happening on them, and then you add on technology. So, George, if I'm going to be straight up here, I call it the perfect storm because we if you take a look at family units they're they're troubled as it is because obviously with the state of a lot of men for example not being present you know we're talking about single family homes for example where one parent is raising them and then you add on this one other thing that a lot of people may not agree with me but I don't think a lot of people are taking a look at the studies or we don't have enough studies to really take a look at the long-term impact which is technology which is smartphones hmm. And more people are addicted to their smartphones now than I think are addicted to crack or cocaine or alcohol. If you go anywhere, you will see couples on their phone having dinner and they're not even interacting with each other. If you go to you know, restaurants, you'll see people with uh, putting iPads and iPhones in front of their kids. Disney actually did a study uh, of the impact of their their theme parks over the last however many years. And the number one factor that was impacting their experience for the children was their parents' smartphones. So now we have this whole disconnected society, and George, I'm sure you've seen it, where people are more on their smartphones and not interacting with each other, and it's actually impacting kids now. And so we have this disconnection where people are more connected on social media more than ever, but they're feeling more isolated. They're feeling more depressed. On top of that, you have younger kids that are being impacted by social media where they're looking at all these people that have great bodies, they're great lives, they're traveling the world, they have great cars or whatever that is, and now they're feeling depressed about their life. And so at a younger age now, these kids are feeling less about themselves, have less confidence and less, self, less self-esteem, which is impacting everything that you're talking about, the economics. There's more people now that feel alone, even though that we're more connected than ever. So I firmly believe we really need to stand up, especially as men, to say, okay, what is healthy? Not necessarily what is traditional, what it means to be a man or whatever that looks like, but what is healthy for our families? What kind of behavior is healthy? What is going to help my family? What is going to help my relationship with my wife? What is going to help my wife live a better life, my kids, and our society as a whole?
0: Yeah, I think we find a real point of agreement on the social media thing and also just, you know, putting phones in people's hands, these things that rewire our brains without any sort of, um, (laughs) you know, we're, we're in a, we're in a test right now. We're people, we're going to figure out what this is doing to us on a global scale pretty soon here. Right. And it's, it's fascinating. So we've talked a lot about uh, your thoughts on masculinity, the modern, modern men, how did this lead you to your book and where does it maybe intersect with, I don't know, the the thesis in your book? And and can you just talk about, (laughs) it's a big question. I I know you wrote a whole book uh, for this reason, (laughs) uh, but if I could ask you to, to, to condense it into this answer. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. So first of all, I wrote this book because I'm a firm believer of sharing knowledge because uh, I think there's just so many small things that men can do in their lives to really dramatically improve the quality of their lives. And so I wrote this book, It's obviously it's called The Complete Man, and the, and the subtitle is Achieve Ultimate Performance, Fulfillment, and Victory – in every area of your life. And that's really what it's about. And because I see so many guys having successful businesses, for example, but struggling in their relationships, or they might have a great relationship, but they struggle in their career. It's really about having everything that you want in your life. And I truly believe that you were put on this earth for a reason, and that's to live life to the fullest and have everything that you deserve to have. And and in this book, I really talk about the practical pieces. So it's the neuroscience, it's the science, as well as the practical strategies that you can put into place in your everyday life that will dramatically improve all aspects of your life, from your relationships with your, or your, with your spouse, as a father, as a business leader, as a man, and your relationship with yourself. How do you feel about yourself? Because here's what it's about ultimately, George. It's, it's about performing better, right? Us as men, we want to perform better. We want to achieve success. So we want to achieve our goals. But none of that is worth anything if we're not fulfilled with our life, with the life that we have, the life that we live. And that's really what this book is about. It's about those three components of living life to the fullest, which is performing at your best, achieving the goals that you want to achieve, and really being fulfilled with every aspect of your life.
0: Pretty curious if we could end with, with this, which is, you know, you are obviously a, a very successful guy. You present a, a lot of ways that you can help other men to, to find fulfillment in their lives. And as you say, in, in every aspect, so professionally, personally, you know, everything in between, w- what are you working on right now? What, what are some of the struggles you have? And, and maybe if you, if you talk to me about where you are on your, your journey from,
1: you know, here to here to there,
0: what are what are the, some of the things that you are having to, to figure out?
1: Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. You know, you know, personally, if I was to say, you know, this might sound small to other people, but one of the things that we're taking a look at as a family, for example, is do we have a third child or do we adopt? And it, it is internally, honestly, it's a little bit of a challenge for myself because I want another child, but my wife is a very petite gal and she produces big kids <laughs> and she's had two C-sections already. And it's one of those things like, okay, do we put her body through that? Do we not put her body through that? This whole challenge of, of COVID is is throwing really, a I would say, a wrench into a, a lot of things because my mission is to help as many men as I can within the next five to 10 years and really push this hard because I truly believe that this is the time and the moment to do that. And so live workshops, uh, we're not doing that anymore. So we, we've had to adopt more to online, on the online space. Again, I'm very transparent. One of the things that we're we're uh, as a family sometimes challenged with is where do we live? I live on the other, or I grew up on the other side of the country, where we have a, a family business still there, and it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, but my wife's family is here, and so one of the challenges is okay, do we move back there? Do we move? He- do we stay here? I've always wanted to go back home, but I understand where my wife is coming from. And we've talked about having maybe, you know, we have homes in both places, but we're like, okay, now the kids have to be somewhat stable in terms of where they live. You know, it sounds kind of trivial, but these are, you know, these are some of the things that I'm faced with because I have a huge family over there mm. where my kids don't get to see them as much as they could. My wife has a very small family here. And I grew up with a lot of cousins and I under, I see the benefits in that. And there's so many, you know, so much love. And I see my kids not hang out with kids their own age or their cousins their own age, so there's challenges there. Personally, on, on the business side, uh, things are going great. They can you know they can always be better. but I, I never see I, I never see business as a struggle. I always see it as, as a challenge. So there's always opportunity there. Um,
0: have you had to sacrifice it all in order to to s- strengthen the family stuff and, and maybe seen an opportunity in business that you, th- you said to yourself, hmm, you know what, I'm actually not going to go for that one this time. I'm
1: going to, because it wouldn't be right for the family. Oh, absolutely. And this year is a prime example. So I, I get approached by a lot of business opportunities and I have to say no to... You know, ninety-five percent of them, because I don't want to. You know, this isn't just about making money. I want to be present for my kids. I want to be there for for when my kids wake up. So, for example, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, my wife is at work, and I get the kids ready. I take them to school. I pick them up. I feed them. I make them dinner. I put them to bed. I be all that kind of stuff, and I enjoy doing that. You know, we could easily get a nanny, but I don't want to have a nanny do that. I want to spend that time with my kids. So. I, I say no to a lot of things that could keep me busier and, and make me even more money, but I'm choosing to spend more time with my kids because I know how important that is for me and I know how important that is for them. You know, I, I really appreciate you linking
0: some of this um, some of this stuff back from your personal life into, you know, the stuff you talk about in the book and, and things like that. So thanks for going there.
1: Well, I think it's important because the environment that we've created with the work that we do here. Um, in our organization is about having having open conversations with men. It's about having the conversations that we have in our own heads that we don't feel comfortable saying to someone else, either another man or a woman or a group of men. And when we're able to have these open conversations, and I think that's why we've been so successful to this point uh, in the work that we do, especially with men, is that because I can openly say, man, I've struggled with that. Trust me, I know what it's like to go through depression. I know what it's like to have low confidence, self-confidence. I know what it's like to be on the verge of divorce or have financial difficulty. And so if I can share those stories and say, okay, life isn't perfect, then men out there can understand and say, okay, there's a better path. Well, let's see. Pradeep, I think this
0: has been really, really interesting. Where can people go if they want to learn more about uh, your work?
1: Yeah, uh, so uh, if you're, actually we have a lot of female listeners as well. If you're a gentleman that uh, enjoys podcasts, you can check out the Male Entrepreneur Podcast. You can go to my website, purdeep Any social media channel, I'm pretty much on there. Also releasing my new book, so you can look out for that, which is The Complete Man, and that'll be launching December 1st. And my team and I are very open to helping people and and just getting feedback and, and being able to answer your questions. So if you have any questions out there, please feel free to reach out. Um, because we are truly here to help people. That's our ultimate mission.
0: To learn more about The Complete Man, you can go to pradeepsanga.com.